Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Tampa Bay Buccaneers from the 48-yard line. Second down, 13. Brady lobs one downfield. Caught ball by Gronkowski. Inside the 20 to the 15-10. Gronkowski to the 5 to the 4-yard line. Holy Gronkapoli. <laughs> Third down, 18. Dropping again and looking again and looking again. Those up the middle. It's intercepted at the Derek 30. Brooks. Derek Brooks, 30. Brooks to the 25, He's 20. Gone. Derek Brooks all the way. There it is. The dagger's in. No. We're going to win the Super Bowl. Super Bowl, baby. This is the big nasty. Yeah, big nasty Hall of Fame Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, baby. This is Mike Allstott, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother. You ain't listening, and you're missing out. Woo! Hello and happy Victory Monday. One day removed from Victory Sunday. And two days removed from a Buccaneer victory, 31-23 over the Washington football team. Tampa Bay gets their first playoff win since all the way back Super Bowl 37 in 2003. So a playoff win is very long overdue for everybody in Tampa Bay. But welcome back to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Back at you today for episode 160. Today we're going to go over the top performers from Sunday's win. We'll catch you up on the injury uh, injury news that is causing some lineup shifts this week. And then before we wrap things up, we'll talk about what's really changed in Tampa Bay since that fateful night in Week 9. But before we get to all that, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, as always, Rhett Matthew, joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host, the Philly Bucks fan himself, Mr. Evan Wanish. Happy Victory Monday, my friend. How you doing? Oh, Oh, I'm doing great. I never thought I'd ask you to hear me that question. No? I never thought I'd hear you ask me that question. I, I could be doing a little bit better. I don't know what's been going on with me lately. I, I don't know if I'm just developing something over time. I don't know if my brain is turning to mush from doing two to three podcasts a week for 18, 19 weeks in a row. But lately, I've had this really bad problem with like mixing up my words. Like I literally just told you I never thought I'd ask you to hear me that question. And okay, I, and I yeah. kind of, I expected everybody to just act like it didn't happen. And I don't, I don't know what the hell's wrong with me, Evan, but I need to go see a doctor here soon. Mm, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I can't tell you. Maybe it is just too much on the brain. You're, you're thinking about it too much. Well, it, it, it's an exciting time nonetheless. I mean, yeah, everybody gets a little bit tripped up when they're excited, but dude, a playoff win last week, we were doing mm-hmm. our first ever postseason show. And now we're actually here to talk about a victory. Like I said, 31 to 23 yeah. over uh Taylor Heineke and the Washington football team, but Taylor you know, Heineken Heineke. Yeah, man, a a game that was a little too close for comfort at times and a game that really gave us a lot of questions about this team, Um, but a game that sets up round three for the Buccaneers in New Orleans this coming Sunday. We we know that the Bucs are going to be playing New Orleans because, you know, the Bears weren't able to get the job done, which you can't really ever count on Chicago to do anything right. So here we are. But well, I mean, the the main reason they're going to New Orleans, and people ask me this, um, it's because the Rams won. So if the Rams wouldn't have beat the Seahawks, then the Bucks would have been going to Green Bay. Okay. But since the Rams won, the Rams are now the lowest seed uh, standing in the playoffs. So the lowest seed will go to the highest seed. 
There we go. Before we go any further, I am contractually obligated to let you guys know that this podcast is brought to you by our good friends over at betonline.ag. The playoffs are here, and if you have a good feeling about the team that's going to knock off Kansas City, if you got a good feeling about, you know, maybe that team being the Browns next week, look out. <laughs> I'll tell you Ooh. what, if you want to spend your money on whatever the hell you want to spend it on, BetOnline is your place to go. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet online gives you more options to wager than any other place online. And of course, you've always got the online casino as well, which never closes. So head over to betonline.ag today. Take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Bet online, your online sportsbook expert. Also, support for Can of Fire Prod. Uh, Jesus Christ. Support for CFP is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in below the waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Listen, sometimes it's tough going below the belt. Sometimes you got to get down there and just, you know, trim some things up. I, I get it, but it's tough. If you don't have a mirror, you got to throw a leg up on the counter. It gets awkward. Everything's just there. You know what I mean? If you want to have a little bit easier of a time dealing with it, then you should check out our friends over at Manscaped. That's why they have redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created, and they just released the new and improved Lawn Mower 3.0. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code CANON20 at manscaped.com. Once again, that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code CANON20. So let's get into the show. Usually we open things up with our game review, which we're going to do here today, just like we always do, I guess. But let's go over some top performers, because while this defense left a lot of questions coming out of the matchup with Washington, the offense had its fair share of top performers. The first one being the guy that we started with every single week, TB12. Playoff Tom is activated, 22 for 40, 381 yards, two touchdowns. What did you think of Tom's evening? Uh, I mean, for our YouTube viewers, you can tell by the little smirk on my face. Um, but, uh, I mean, just what you said, that's, that's playoff, that's playoff Tommy Brady right there, baby. Um, that, that throw to Mike Evans with four minutes left when Jonathan Allen was right in his face, man, that was, uh, that was a thing of beauty right there. And, uh, uh, Definitely, he he showed up, and the entire offense really. Um, I mean, we get we'll, we'll talk about some individuals uh, when we get into the actual game review uh, on the offense because it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows. But um, yeah, I mean, he came to play, and you could tell he was locked in, he was dialed in, and yeah, I mean, three hundred eighty-one yards on this Washington defense—that is a darn good defense, and he had a bunch of drops too. So yeah. he had two two touchdowns. Uh, no turnovers. That was a big thing. Um, two touchdowns, no turnovers, uh, almost 400 yards, and would have had 400 yards had there not been some drops. And would have had four touchdowns had Chris Godwin and Cameron Brake caught touchdowns um, instead of dropped the ball. But, yeah, I mean, an uncharacteristic night for some guys on the Bucks team as far as drops go. But, I mean, yeah, it didn't really stop Brady. I mean, he was just – he was a man on a mission, and they got the job done. Now, speaking of playoff Tom, something that we saw against Washington that I don't think we've seen a whole lot of this season. I heard them talking about it on the Pat McAfee show today, but you want to talk about playoff Brady? He was pretty comfortable laying into some people. He was pretty vocal with some guys who were messing up on the team. 
Um, I, I know what you're talking about, I think, because I, I watched that segment. I actually just got done watching the – Well, Pat he Mike had yelled at Cam Brate. I, I want to yeah. say it was their last possession of the first half. And then uh, towards the end of the game, Pat was talking about it on his yeah. show, and it was hilarious. But towards that the end of the good. game, Bucks are kneeing it out. And I guess somebody, one of the tight ends is what it was described as, was kind of you know moseying around the huddle. And Tom was like, hey, get your fucking ass over here. Like, you could see it on TV. He was, you know, he, he was pretty stern. But, uh, yeah. you know, that comes with the territory. That's just, like I said before, that's playoff Tom, man. Exactly. I mean, that's, uh, he knows what it takes. The dude's been there. The dude's been in every single situation you can be. Um, he's been eliminated in pretty much every way you can be eliminated. He's won in pretty much every way you can win in the playoffs. It's just he knows what to do. He knows what it takes. And um, yeah, he was he was angry at Cameron Braid earlier too. He's on the one sack. Um, he was Cameron Braid like kept running his route instead of yeah. coming back to the ball, which would have you know Brady probably would have thrown it to him. So he was a little bit angry there. But yeah, he knows he knows that. Like that sack right there, it was on third down, I think. That sack could end up, you know, you give the ball right back and that could change things. He knows just how important each possession is in a regular season game, but then it's 10 times more important in the playoffs. The The intensity level goes up in the playoffs and you can tell like he knows what he's doing. And if, if you don't have full trust in this guy, I don't know what else to tell you. Yeah. On the game preview show last week, we talked about this being a game for the offense to just pound the rock give the ball to Ronald Jones 20-plus times. Well, lo and behold, Ronald Jones didn't end up playing. Fans were greeted to Leonard Fournette being your starting running back, and he got the majority of the carries. His night looked like this. 19 carries, 93 yards, and a touchdown. He also caught four passes for 39 yards. So he, he stepped up really big uh, after not expecting to get the start that he had said. Coming into that game, Ronald Jones, I think, was – you know, really ready to give it a go. And I think this coaching staff was ready for it. But in pregame, Ronald Jones, I guess, hurt himself a, a quad injury yeah. sometime during warmups. And then, you know, that's when they let Fournette know he was going to be the bell cow back that night. But I think he did a pretty damn good job for a guy on short notice. Yeah, I mean, you could tell he was that, that was a guy that, that really boosted up the intensity. Um he was doing some things we haven't seen all regular season, and he probably he saved his best game for the best time, yeah. and he may need it again next week in New Orleans. Who knows? Uh, we we, oh, I, we don't know. Obviously, they haven't practiced at all. The Bucks still are not practicing today. They have like a walkthrough tomorrow, I think, and then practice Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I, I would assume. Um, so, I mean, who knows how the severity of Jones's quad injury. I mean, it sucks for him. Uh, but yeah, Fournette stepped in and, and did do well. Um, especially as you said on a short notice when you're not preparing to really start. And I mean, he, he, like I said, he did some things. He looked good catching the ball. Uh, they did that one screen and got like 25 yards. I was like shocked. Um, yeah, yeah I think that's, he, he I ran. think that's like the only successful running back screen we've seen all season. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I tweeted something similar to that. I was like, that might've been like the first one. <laughs> Like I've seen that's like gone over five We've yards. We've seen better screens with Gronk than we have our running backs. Yeah, I mean, and they don't even do screens with Gronk. They've done it like three times. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was just a good night. And if, if Jones can't go in New Orleans, they're going to need a good another good performance from Fournette. Uh, I still think that, yeah, sure, running the ball is all fine dandy, but at the end of the day, they still threw the ball over 40 times, so you put the ball in your best player's hands, and your best player is Tom Brady, so, um, or one of your best players is Tom Brady, and I think that's the right mo move, and they 
I think I like their offensive game plan. It was a little bit too much running on first down for me, a little bit too much. But, I mean, if you're picking up four or five yards on every first down when you run it, I'm not going to complain too much. So Yeah. Now, while we're talking about the running game, we talked about the good with Leonard Fournette. Let's talk about the bad with Keyshawn Vaughn. He got some playoff action. Mm. It was uh, it was more than forgettable. Looked decent until there was two things. One, I think his first play, Brady got hurried, and Vaughn didn't turn his head, and Brady threw it to him, and it was like no man's land. Yeah, uh, It was incomplete, and Brady like threw his arms up, and Vaughn was like, what? Like He's got to turn your head quicker than that rookie, you know? Um, and then the other, obviously the, the fumble, which was a decent run to start. And then he just, yeah, the, he can't get out of his own way. The, everybody's screaming for him to come in. Uh, everybody's saying, oh, this, that, that. He can be a better pass catching back. He can be this. Well, man, w- when you come in with limited snaps, you can't fumble the ball like that. You, you yeah. can't, you know, uh, turn, not turn your head and look for the ball when the quarterback's looking for you. Uh, I mean, that's just – it's just small things. And he's a rookie. I mean, that's that's rookie mistakes right there. Um, but it's just not something that can happen. Yeah. Um, so, LaShawn McCoy was injured. So, actually, the Bucks only had two running backs in this game. Because McCoy was placed on the injury report, and then it was not even active. So, we'll see if McCoy's able to go. Because if, if Jones isn't able to go and McCoy isn't, then they might call up C.J. Proceis from the practice squad who they just signed to the practice yeah. squad. So, that might end up being what they're doing. But um, I don't know how many carries you're going to see Vaughn get for the rest of the way because he definitely has opportunities, but he just didn't make the most out of them at all. Yeah, and the magnitude of those mistakes is only going to be magnified by they were so they were past because... midfield. They were past midfield on that fumble too, so they were going into field goal range as well. Right, but when you're in the playoffs and you make mistakes like that, they're going to be far more memorable just because you know your entire season's on the line. I don't know that might have something to do with it. But as far as Ronald Jones goes, and then we'll move on here. Uh, he, he couldn't get loose, the quad contusion. He kind of battled it all week at practice. It swelled up on him before the game, wasn't able to get loose out of it. And that's ultimately the reason he didn't play from what we've been hearing. Um, his status is still to be determined this week. I have a feeling that by the Thursday show, we'll have an update for you guys and we'll keep you posted on that as soon as we find out more. Let's talk about these wide receivers. The greatest Buccaneer wide receiver in history. I don't even think it needs to be said at this point, but I still will. Mike Evans, six days removed from a hyperextended knee, and he goes out there. Six receptions, 119 yards. He breaks Keyshawn Johnson's franchise record for receiving yards in a playoff game. What a performance for big number 13. Dude's on one leg, man. I mean, that's just, you wouldn't be able to tell. I mean, there was a few times he walked off a little gingerly. Um, it seemed like it maybe stunned them a little bit, but I mean, just running his routes, he was sliding. I was like, man, with that hyperextended knee, he must be all right because he would not be sliding like that. Uh, yeah. It wouldn't look like that. So, I mean, he was running nice comebacks, uh, deep curls. Uh, he was doing all that stuff as well as you know the streak plays. They had him. They had an incomplete ball, which just went off his fingertips. Uh, that was just a, a shot downfield. And then they had the one, like I said, that Brady just delivered a beautiful ball. Yeah. I mean, this dude's just a baller. I mean, that's that's all it is. And uh, he's going to go. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame. He's going to hopefully, obviously, a ring would help him out tremendously immensely to get into the Hall. Um, but, yeah, he's the best Bucks wide receiver of all time. He's, what, 26, 27 years old. I mean, this dude, it's not like he's. 34 and it's just right. now you know like this dude is gonna be 
I, you know, there's, it's going to be a while before you see any wide receiver that's going to break Mike Evans' Buccaneers records. Oh, yeah. uh, it's going to be a, a little bit until you see a guy maybe even come close to that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's just, you know, you, you can always rely on him. You, you really can. Um, I mean, it's just a, a gutty performance and a big-time performance when they needed it because I think, you know, we can talk about the other receiver really quick. Um, you know, the other guys – didn't step up as much and Mike Evans stepped up in a, in a huge way. And it's crazy because a bad night for this receiver in particular is still a career day for most guys, but Chris Godwin, five receptions, 79 yards and a touchdown. That's, looks that's great. not, if you, if you, yeah, if you read that, just that, it's yeah. fun. But the thing with 14 is that Saturday night, he just, he had a case of the dropsies, which is extremely uncharacteristic. I mean, Chris Godwin is the guy who literally catches everything. So, we're not going to go he is the most he might have the most reliable hands on the team. Probably. We're not going to go into long detail about what's happening with Chris Godwin because nothing's really happening to him, but I mean ultimately I just have to boil this down to a case of, you know, it's a big stage. Nerves, it's his first yep. time in the playoffs and maybe he was a little shaken up. Yeah, so some of them were you know, like the one in the end zone he should have caught, but Darby was right there too, so it's decent coverage. That when I first saw that in real time, I thought it was just a good play by the defensive. Yeah, I, I thought I thought he broke it up too, yeah. but yeah, upon further view, Godwin should have caught it. Um, the one he dove out for, but still, that's a catch he normally makes. Um, yeah, just a lot of uncharacteristic stuff, and I would understand it if that was like, if it was sort of like the the one you know. In the Raiders game, when he injured his finger, and then he came back in versus New Orleans with that splint, I would understand right. the drops then. But like he, the, the splints are out. Like he's done with that. Like yeah. he's he's good. And um, yeah, very very uncharacteristic. I wouldn't expect it two weeks in a row, and it's not nothing to worry about. But no, yeah, I, don't. Uh, I mean, I, yeah, he, you you take you put all them drops and you make them into catches. And I mean, he goes over a hundred yards too. So, yeah. and Brady is over 400 yards and that's a darn good defense they're playing. So, I mean, just another impressive, impressive night. Yeah. Can't expect that from Godwin two weeks in a row, like you had said, and, and call it a bold prediction. If you want, there I don't was, think it's too bold to assume, but he's going to have a big bounce back game next week. There was, there was a point in the game where I tweeted, I was like, you're going to have to get to the point where you just gonna have to take him off the field. Like just for a few plays or something, just get his mind right or something, because it was after that one, I think that he dove out for, but like it was right in his hands. He just dropped it. It would have been a game like 20 yards. Like I'm like, come on, man. Like this is just like you said earlier, this is the playoffs. Like you got to make that play. Yeah. You know, that is a play you have to make. And he wasn't. And luckily, Mike Evans and, uh, you know, Cameron Brait, of all people, stepped up. Yeah, Cameron Brait uh, was actually the, uh, big the, time. the next guy that I had on my list here. Yeah. Four receptions and 80 yards, probably yeah. his biggest game since Tom Brady has been a buck. And it was great to see because should if anybody on that offense is still oh, Mr. Well. Reliable, it's number 84. Yeah, should have had a touchdown, but oh well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, like I said, man, just another drop touchdown. Just can't happen. Um, <laughs> I mean, the the good thing is Cameron Brady dropped that touchdown. Then they scored a touchdown with Leonard Fournette on the next play. However, that Chris Godwin on that drop, the next play was Gronkowski, and Gronkowski was pushed out of the end zone. Bucks had to sell for three. Yeah. That's seven instead of three. It's three instead of seven, I mean. Like, can we, yeah, that can't happen in next week. No, that cannot happen. Speaking of Gronk, I think he only had that one target all night. He had a pretty quiet yeah. night through the air, but I'll tell you what, watching it was some clear film, what their game plan was. Watching back on the film of this game, Rob Gronkowski was absolutely manhandling some of his blockers. It was absolutely clear what they told Rob Gronkowski to do. He's a blocking they, tight end, baby. 
that's what he's here for. Um, <laughs> that's why Tom Brady was like, oh, my God, this is Donovan Smith going to be protecting me. No, I got to get <laughs> I got to get Rob Gronkowski here. Um, yeah, I mean, if, if Cameron Brate would have been doing what Gronkowski was doing, it would have ended well and the Bucks might have lost. Um, Gronkowski, yeah, he's still he's maybe not prime Gronkowski, like as far as pass blocking and like catching and stuff like that goes, but he's darn sure close to it. Um, I mean, he's he, the best blocking tight end on the roster by a good 10 miles. Oh, by a, oh yeah, easily. <laughs> I mean, Anthony Auclair is probably the next best one and he's not great. So, um, if a, if a healthy OJ Howard, that would change things. But, um, I think OJ is a solid blocker for a tight end uh but yeah it was evident what our game plan was and let's just give a quick shout out to that o-line i'm gonna take a mini victory here Rhett. i'm gonna okay go ahead uh, everybody who has criticized me for uh not criticizing uh one man in particular on the offensive line <laughs> i haven't heard many ats to me this week not sure why because everybody seems to be real quiet this week um donovan smith kudos my friend yeah kudos because uh well done, sir. Well done against Chase Young. I didn't even know Young played. I mean, we were talking about that at the end of the game. What was his final stat line? Like two tackles and he was he was solid against the run. Chase Young stopped the a few runs, um, but I yeah he didn't touch Brady. Like he said, yeah. he wanted Tom. He didn't get him. So yeah, Donovan Smith played one of the best games of his entire career. He held Chase Young to a very quiet night, but that entire offensive line they really imposed their will for most of the game. And, and I mean. What was cool is that, you know, we saw those running back screens, the ones that we did. You got to see some raw athleticism when those guys got downfield. I mean, I don't know if there is anything. Ryan Jensen got upfield quick on that one. Dude, there is nothing more exciting in this offense than watching guys like Ryan Jensen, Ali Marpet, and Donovan Smith run full speed downhill, ready to just annihilate somebody. They're headhunters on that O-line. Now, they still gave up three sacks. It is what it is, I guess. But let's look at the biggest development from that offensive line coming out of this game. Former Buccaneer Ted Larson found himself back in the lineup at right guard. Alex Kappa fractured his ankle in the middle of the game, and he had to run off the field. Um, Aaron Stinney is going to end up being your starter this week at right guard. But, you know, Ted Larson was obviously the weak link after Kappa made his exit. Oh, man. The Aaron Payne ate his lunch money a few times. I mean, Larson filled an okay for a guy that just, like got put on the spot, but yeah, and De'Aaron Payne's a good player. Like it's not, but man, he got beat a few times, and yeah, so yeah, it, it sucks for Alex Kappa because he was having a pretty good season, and um, it's it's gonna be a big blow. But hopefully, Aaron Stinney. I mean, they I they weren't gonna try Joe Haig again. So yeah, Joe I think had it, a rough it was, night too. It was either gonna be even though he had one rep. John Ledger tweeted out he on a run that him and Tristan Wirfs just right next to each other just dominated somebody. Mm. Um, it was impressive. Um, but so yeah, they weren't gonna try Joe Haig again. So it was either gonna be Ted Larson or Aaron Stenny, and Ted Larson just didn't do enough. I think he filled in uh, okay, but he just didn't do enough. I don't think so. They're gonna roll with Stenny, and I mean, it's not horrible. It's like people. Somebody asked me, they're like, "Is he good?" I was like, "Well." I was like, he, he's a backup on a team that doesn't have great offensive line depth. So, no, he's not very good, but he's the best option they have, I yeah. think. So, um, you do with what you, with what you can. See, I can't talk either. <laughs> it's contagious this time of year, man. Everybody's brain just turns into mush. All right, one more stat line I wanted to talk over. 
and then we're going to go ahead and move on here. But Antonio Brown, two receptions, 49 yards, and a touchdown. But that's not really the stat line I wanted to talk about. Antonio Brown is, over these last three games or four games, I think he's got like six touchdowns. You want one in the Atlanta game, that's one. Two, one in the Detroit game, two, two, five. Okay, so five touchdowns over four games. Yeah. I mean, what a streak for this guy. He is, you know, he's definitely finding his role in this offense, and that's pretty encouraging when you compare where Antonio Brown was in this offense to, you know, week nine, the last time they were squaring off against New Orleans, to this week. He had, he had no idea what he was doing week nine. Right. I mean, he just he had just gotten there, just came off suspension. Um, yeah, this is going to be a different – and obviously we'll talk about it on we're not going to spoil the preview show much but <laughs> um it'll be a different Antonio Brown that the Saints will see. So, yeah, big time. I mean, he was kind of invisible uh, out in the second half. Um didn't do a ton in the second half, but had that nice end around where it felt like he was running forever. Yeah. Um and his acceleration is just crazy, so. And then obviously that touchdown pretty good. So, yeah, if they can if they can get that from Antonio Brown, he doesn't need to go off every time. I mean, they're they're paying a the dude a million dollars and they were set at receiver anyway. Like yeah. they have Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. Antonio Brown just needs to do what he did on Saturday, really. Just make a few impact plays and, and don't screw up. That's it. That's all you got to do. And if you do that, you'll be good. Pretty much. Before we get into the rest of this game review, I want to remind everybody that uh, too much of anything is bad, but too much sports is barely enough. With all of that in mind, say hello to January 2021. From an expanded NFL playoff, the College Football National Championship being played tonight, if you listen to this on Monday. I got Bama by like 10, by the way. I, I don't think Ohio State can hang with them, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, to the return of the NBA, the NHL, there is a lot going on in the sports world right now, and it's safe to say it is one of the best months to be a fan of sports. If you want to add some excitement to the games you love, then it's the perfect time to check out my bookie. They'll hook you up with a 50% deposit bonus up to 1000 bucks when you sign up, and they'll keep the good times rolling with giveaways, free bets, and huge contests all year long. It's simple. Sign up, enter promo code CANNONFIRE, and get your deposit matched halfway up to 1000 bucks. Promo code CANNONFIRE, one word, C-A-N-N-O-N-F-I-R-E. That way they know that we sent you. And they'll match your deposit halfway up to $1,000. So head over to MyBookie today and start 2021 off on the right foot. This year, bet with the best. Bet with MyBookie. Promo code CANNONFIRE. Don't forget it, folks. That is great stuff, and it really helps the show. So if I've got any of my betting friends, you know, we've got two outlets for you, but... One of them we got a promo code for, so just remember that part. All right, so let's get into the rest of this game review. We got a little bit more to talk about. Uh, I want to talk about the NFL's best and brightest in officiating on full display for the playoffs this past weekend. I'll tell you what, this game probably could have been over a little bit sooner had that fumble call gone the right way, huh? Listen. (laughs) Uh... Well, I sent you a text. I'm not going to repeat in all capital letters. Um, <laughs> I, I can't repeat it. Um, sure you can. It's a podcast. No, not on the radio. No. no. <laughs> we, we, we like to be. We, this is like the Nickelodeon version almost. Oh, you know? this is the. Yeah. yeah. Guys, this is the Nickelodeon I, I'm, of Bucks I'm podcasts. Like, I'm, I'm like Lex Lumpkin, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, oh, by the way, shout out Lex Lumpkin because that dude. That dude's a cool dude. He yeah. he was he was working it on on the sideline uh, yesterday during that boring Saints Bears game. Um, 
Yeah, if you weren't watching, if you weren't watching Nickelodeon one, if you were watching the one with Tony Romo and Jim Nance, you probably fell asleep. Man, I'll t- I'll tell yeah. you what. The one thing I didn't like about the Nickelodeon broadcast is that they lied to the kids. All oh right? my god, they, they, they were spreading. Every punt seemed like it was. They were spreading misinformation the to the youth that punting is fun. Yeah. The, the one girl in the booth whose job was to just literally ham it up every time they punted. Yeah. Oh man, look how high that is! I was like, Whoa! Yeah, yeah, they punted. Yeah, that's good. Good stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it, you got to figure out what it's geared towards. So I, I, I saw it, some I, people, I, some people that were complaining about. it. I was like, come on, like right? it's I think anybody, like, I, I think anybody who took an act, like an actual look at that, and was like, oh, this commentary is corny. It's all of this stuff. Well, it's not for you. And, and I, I will say that. I think the NFL did a really good job with that. I think you should have more How about that. How like about that, that little F-bomb, huh? Love that. Oh, man. Somebody took that clip from SpongeBob where it's like F is for friends, but it was oh, F is for, and then they put the clip right there. But I'm, I'm glad we got ourselves an F-bomb on Nickelodeon. Nothing says oh, man, great. NFL and kids great. television like an errant, uh, errant. Cordero Patterson F? F-bomb. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let's get back to, let's get back to the game we were talking about. Talking so, about the fumble call. Yeah, I was I was getting ready to drop an F bomb about that fumble call. Um, so it, that's just awful. It, I, I can't even I can't even explain it because it's just so bad. I mean, they were staying on the broadcast, and they clearly wanted Washington to win. Okay, by the way, yeah. the, the entire I mean, Tony Dungy, Mike Tirico, and um, Gene Steratore clearly did not want Tampa to win that game. Did you every hear time? That, did you hear every, that Tony Dungy was really impressed with Tyler Heineke? Oh Taylor my god, Heineke. if I heard it one more time. It's like he was his kid. Like, <laughs> come on, dude. Like I understand, like it's the feel good story and stuff. Like, yeah, like whatever. He played good. But man, oh man, if I heard one more thing. Like like did you remember who's on the other sideline? Yeah, it's the greatest quarterback ever. Dude, so. I thought it was the coolest thing ever that we got Dungy announcing the Bucks first playoff game in thirteen <laughs> years. Oh thanks. And then you and then you just kind of realize again. halfway again. through the first quarter when Heineke starts to show a little bit of uh little bit of moves down there the rest was history yeah but anyways i mean gene starts were saying that his forward progress or no, T- tony dungy said forward progress starator said well there's no clear recovery when you could clearly clearly see shaq barrett who's the guy that ended up with the ball and when when the whole pile went away shaq barrett was the guy that ended up with the ball and they say that that's not a clear recovery when it shows on the replay him falling on it like get right. out yeah. of here and it yeah. would have given the books uh the washington i don't think they scored the washington didn't score on that drive but it would have given the books uh it was 18 to 7 at the time and it would have given the books a ball they would have been in field goal range already with like a minute 20 left yeah. so it's either they're kicking a field goal or they're scoring a touchdown and it's either 21 7 or 25 7 like come on that's that's huge like that's that that call sucked that and then in in the end zone he bobbled that ball okay if you're gonna talk about a catch the dude bobbled the football did not have it okay i i personally okay I personally would just change the rule that if you catch the ball, you catch the ball, yeah, right? And like all this control throughout <laughs> the catch. But technically, the rule is you have to maintain full control throughout the whole process of the catch. That is the NFL's stupid rule. I was right? waiting to hear the uh, I was waiting to hear the Nickelodeon broadcast explain to kids what a catch oh, is. God. Well, I saw one tweet. It was like uh, I want the Nickelodeon broadcast to explain to the kids what Bounty Gate was. I was like, oh man. <laughs> 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 see kids they tried to they tried to take people's heads off and um they got oh, caught no. <laughs> um so 
Uh, it's like when spongebob gets mad at patrick and and he wants to throw it wants to throw a Krabby patty at him but squidward catches him Uh, that's what that was like um so anyways um i don't even know where i was um (laughs) so i mean just the refs were just bad man the yeah you have to maintain the full process the full possession of the catch he bobbles it they call it a touchdown anyway it was a good throw but the dude bobbled it like come on Uh, i mean i'm not excusing the bucks defensive performance but those two in particular i was like come on dude and then i saw people complaining about the the carlton davis non-pass interference which davis did get there he got there early he got there early but yet they're only showed up on replay. And Warren Sapp actually had a good tweet. He said, football is played in real time. It's not played in replay. Yeah. So, um, you know, it was a bang-bang play. And just like you said, so they're not going to call that. Like, whatever. Like, if you're going to complain about that, but then just completely ignore the fumble thing, like, wh- whatever. But let's get on to this defense because I got I, – I don't even know. We, we should have done the offense last because it would have been <laughs> ending on a positive note. <laughs> So let's talk about this defensive performance. I mean, really quickly, just to close out, those refs, they were bad all weekend. Like, there were, no. you know, there were a lot of baffling calls wild fumble. card weekend. How is that not a fumble in the Bills-Colts uh, game? Like, that Dude. is just atrocious. Dude, I that, that, no that might be That might almost be worse than, than the Bucks call there. That might almost be. It's not worse because I'm biased, but it might almost be worse because that is clear as day. I don't understand. Like, oh, man, whatever. So let's get into this defensive performance, and I'm actually going to start things off with some props, some well-deserved props, not to anybody on the Tampa Bay roster, but uh, props to Heineke. I I mean, he gave us us some anxiety-inducing moves inside of the pocket. The guy played incredibly well, and I mean, that one play... that was a lock. The dude. one that, you, play. You know that you know that was a lock when he was announced as a starter. Oh, dude. I, I mean, it, there is one play that comes to mind, and I think a lot of people agree with me here. I oh. know you wanted oh. to talk about it on the show, but let's talk about that one play. Okay, Washington <laughs> is in scoring distance. Heineke drops back, stands in the pocket. Pressure coming. Pressure is there. There are five guys in red and pewter uniforms just standing around him. And what does he do? He Houdini's his skinny ass out of the pile, runs up, dives for the pylon, touchdown Washington to get them back in the game. What the hell? (sighs) Paying a dude $11 million to just not tackle a guy. Um, yeah, so on, on that play, when I saw it, so they have Shaq Barrett, Khalil Davis, Nadamakan Sue, and Jason Pierre-Paul, and they rushed four. So that those are the guys that they rushed. Um, Khalil Davis actually got a little bit of a push. Nadamakan Sue was pretty much a non-factor on that play, and Shaq Barrett was a non-factor on that play, Who, which besides recovering the fumble, Shaq Barrett, I didn't even know he played. He was a ghost. Um, so Jason Pierre-Paul ends up getting off his block, so it's actually decent coverage at first because there's nobody open. So Jason Pierre-Paul ends up getting off his block, and he has a clear shot at him, and he just whiffs. Like, come on, dude. Like, are you serious? Like, you've got to be kidding me, it's pro right? I, I mean, it shouldn't be. I'm going <laughs> to say that right now. He he shouldn't be. There is tons of guys. If you're going to put anybody on that defense as a pro bowler, Levante, David, Devin White, those two guys definitely deserve it more than Jason Pierre-Paul. I'm sorry, but they do. Um, 
people are going to think you gotta people are going to think this is the JPP bash podcast yeah, because yeah. we put out the quote about how he hasn't been playing very much and <laughs> yeah right here we are saying um, he doesn't deserve to be a pro bowler yeah it's just yeah um it, it's bad that that was just that was awful and that that's in the playoffs is a play you have to make man you have to make that play i i don't understand now one thing I will say, Scott Reynolds on Pewter Reports podcast after the game did mention that uh, Jason Pierre-Paul's knee injury is not just something that they put on the injury report. That that's real, uh, and oh, it's actually it. it's actually he's playing sort of on like one and a half legs, pretty much. Um, so he's not 100 percent healthy. I get it, like right, but that doesn't ex- excuse you completely whiffing on a quarterback. Um, you know, that you have a clear shot at. And, I mean, Shaq Bear, where are you at, you know? Yeah. Khalil Davis got a push. Uh, where's the Dominican Sue at? Sue was invisible. Uh, the entire defensive line, you can't tell me there was one guy on that front four that played well. I mean, really, there's nobody. They have no pressure, okay? And guess what? They're not going to get pressure. People are, are going to have to accept that when they rush four guys, they ain't getting there. They're they're not doing it, okay? Not this year. It's not not with. I mean, Vita Vea. The loss was huge. I didn't think it was going to be that big to the pass rush because they ain't getting there with four guys. They're not. It's and, not happening. And that's what I kind of wanted to talk about as we shift our focus into this defense as a whole. I know we talked about that one play, but let's kind of break down what you thought of the entire evening. You know, Bucks got the job done. But I don't think they're going to beat New Orleans. I don't think they have a chance in hell of slowing down New Orleans if we see another defensive por- uh, a defensive performance like the one we saw against Washington. Oh, and Ar- Arians knows that. Ar- Arians admitted that. Yeah. And, and I mean, he literally a, said it's exactly, two, almost exactly what you just said. It's a two-way street with this defense. They are getting Devin White back this week, which is huge for the pass rush. That was what was hurting the most against Washington. But – Shaq Barrett, like we had just talked about in particular, he has been far too quiet this season. JPP, these last few games, I think can be attributed to the knee, but Shaq Barrett isn't a guy who has showed up on the injury report all season long. The Bucs need a big game from him next week if he wants to leave here with a good impression to any team that might want to pick him up on free agency. But because I can tell you right now, and I think a lot of other people can tell you the same thing, he's not going to get the money that he wants to get. He's going to get paid less than probably what he's getting paid right now on the franchise tag. Yeah, he's not getting 16. (laughs) I don't think he's getting 16 from anybody. The Bucs are paying Jason Pierre-Paul and Shaq Barrett this season a combined $28.3 million. At least that's how much our cap hits are combined. And they're just getting zero production. Yeah. Just zero. You know, I $28.3 million, I'd rather just minus, you know, minus 20 of that, go out and sign an elite pass rusher for $20 million a year, you know, and have $8 million left over and just let him go to work. You know, because these guys, they're, and I, I mean, we said it even before the season. We're like, I, we think those guys are good, but they're not elite pass rushers. Like, they're not. Okay. Shaq Barrett wasn't getting 19 and a half sacks again. He just, he wasn't. Um, I think Shaq Barrett's a guy that can get you eight to 10 sacks a year. And I think Jason Pierre-Paul is a guy that can probably get you eight to 10 sacks a year. They don't have that guy that's going to get consistently 12, 13, 14, 15 sacks a year. They don't have it. So just like you said, Shaq Barrett doesn't have many excuses. And um, yeah, he's, he, he's not, he's just not showing up. And 
this is when you need your your highest paid players to show up, and they're going to need them to show up in New Orleans, whether they blitz or not. If they blitz, fine. When when even when the Bucks were blitzing, the the defensive linemen still just could not win anything. Yeah, like they couldn't win any one on one blocks, and it was really frustrating to see. So, I mean. Everybody can say, well, Atlanta Week 17, I tried to warn about the pass rush. They said, you know, Atlanta Week 17, they didn't have Devin White, they didn't have Shaq Barrett. I was like, okay. I was like, whatever. Yeah, but you've been been warning people about this four-man pass rush since the week before the Raiders game. Like, let's let's not fool ourselves here. We've been talking about this for a very long time. Yeah, I mean, what was one of the biggest things I said before the season? I I said one of my biggest concerns is – the, the depth yeah. that they have, right? At a pass the, rusher, a true pass rusher. Uh, yeah, the, the depth that they have on, you know, outside linebackers, the, the those edge rushers. And there just is none. They, Anthony Nelson, right? Like, come on, you know? Uh, Anthony Nelson is that dude. Uh, and, like, it's either, like, Jason Pierre-Paul or Shaq Barrett. They're always there, right? So let, let me just look at this. Jason Pierre-Paul's defensive snap count for this season, right? The percentage of plays, the lowest percentage of plays he ever played in a game this year was 78% of the plays in week three versus Denver. The next one is 79% versus New Orleans week nine. Okay. Other than that, all of them are in the 80s or the 90s. Yeah. So, and, and, yeah. You know why his knee's hurting? Because he's worn out. And well, I think and that's that might what be we a had thing said. too. That's what we had said with um that's what we had said about both of our pass rushers, Shaq and JPP. I think like week four or five, we had kind of noted, like, hey, take a look at the snap count, and these guys are playing up to, you know, yeah. eighty-five plus percent. Now Shaq Shaq has played some games. Uh Shaq had sixty-six percent against Minnesota. So sixty-eight percent against New Orleans. So like I mean, Shaq's played a little bit less than Jason Pierre-Paul, but, like, these guys are just worn out. And Anthony Nelson isn't good enough, and that's why they miss Carl Nassib. But even Carl Nassib is another guy that's going to get you, like, maybe, like, six sacks a year. Like, they don't have that guy that can just rush the freaking passer, Oh, man, man I wish we had Carl <laughs> Nassib. Carl Nassib is a 10-sack guy. I'm telling no, you. No, I just yes, got done saying no he's, no, he's not. He's not. Yes, he is. He, if he's if playing... He, if, if, if you get Carl Nassib, let's just say straight up trade, right, before the season starts. If you have Carl Nassib in the shoes of Jason Pierre-Paul this season, I guarantee goddamn you he has at least 10 sacks. No, he doesn't. Okay. Let me know what you guys think in the comments down below. Carl Nassib, Jason, Jason Pierre-Paul is a better player than Carl Nassib. I just think Carl Nassib is more upside at this Jason, point in their careers. Jason Pierre-Paul is a better player than Carl Nassib. That's pretty clear. That's, I'm not disagreeing I'm not, that he's a better player, but I, I think Carl Nassib is a guy that this uh, this defensive line desperately needs. He's the, no, he's the he, style he desperately of, needs. He, yeah, he desperately needs as a guy that can give Pierre Paul and Barrett rest. Yeah, it would be it's different if Carl Nassib is playing ninety percent of the snaps because if you swap them out, then and Nassib is playing the same number of snaps. Okay. I mean, you know, it's just they're playing too much, and it's because uh, the management Jason Light uh, was unable. He had a hell of an offseason. Yeah. But he wasn't able to secure a backup pass rusher. And no way, it's his own fault. He had plenty of chances. Maybe don't pick Keyshawn Vaughn in the third round, a running back that's barely going to play. Maybe pick an edge rusher. You know, maybe pick an interior defensive lineman that you can sub Sue and you don't have to play sixth round pick Khalil Davis in a playoff game. I don't know. You know, um, 
it's just that's something that they're going to have to target this offseason. I think they will. I, Jason Light, one thing he does do well, I think, is when he recognizes a need, he goes after it. So I think you are going to see. I don't think he's going to be trying to get starters at, at the edge rushers and the interior defensive line necessarily, but I think he's going to look for a lot of depth there. I think he doesn't want that situation again. He knows, like everybody knows, Jason Pierre-Paul doesn't want to come off the field. I understand that. But at some point, like, if you're playing like crap, like, come yeah. on. No, yeah. um, I mean, he has just not been the same. So, yeah, I mean, we can talk about the secondary and linebackers and stuff now, but that's sort of my end rant on a defensive line. It's not going to get any better, folks. It's it's not. Maybe maybe they win one battle here or there, uh, but unless the Bucks blitz, I don't think they're going to get there with with a four man rush. And and one of their sacks on Levant, what, what was it, Levante David on a blitz, right? I mean, they just. Um, even though Terrell Heineke did do a good job, right? Heineke and Heineke, he he did a good job of avoiding some of them. I will, I will I'll give him that, right? Because if Alex Smith plays, the Bucks do have more sacks. I'll yeah. say that. But the, the Bucks four man pass rush just still little to be desired, and the Saints offensive line is better than Washington. So be ready. Absolutely. Listen. I shouldn't apologize because somebody told me recently I got to stop apologizing for things that aren't my fault, but I guess I am going to apologize for my outburst. I'm just a really big stand for Carl Nassib. I love that guy and I wish they never let him go, but I wanted to get your two cents on the rest of this defense before we move on to uh, our final segment of the show. But what did you think? Because they did have a turnover. Yeah. Kevin Minter did a really good job. I think putting yeah. hand on the well, football. That was, that was Minter's only play. So yeah. But what did you think of the rest of the unit throughout the afternoon? Is there anything that they did well? Um, <laughs> Monte Davis played all right. Um, Jordan Whitehead and Antoine Winfield, I thought they had a pretty good game in run defense. Um, yeah, I thought Jordan Whitehead had a couple of really good textbook tackles. Yeah. Um, corners. Uh, I don't think Sean Murphy Bundick had as bad of a night as people were going to say. I mean, he had that pick, which obviously it's a deflection, and he allowed the touchdown, but man, that's a perfect throw. I'm sorry. That was, I, I still think. Dude, I was so pissed. It, I was so pissed that a quarterback like Heineke was throwing dimes like that on us, because yeah, it always I mean, happens. The Buccaneers are historically easy, bad against unknown time. Yeah. Huh? Every time. Every You're, time. Like I said, a lock. A l- absolute lock. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, Bucks made it easy on Heineke sometimes, but other times I, I'll give him credit. I even tweeted it on that touchdown that I said wasn't a really touchdown, but I was like, it's just a perfect throw. Yeah, uh, I I think the coverage on for SMB there was fine. It's just it was a perfect throw. Um, you can't beat a perfect throw sometimes. So, um, I mean, Carlton Davis didn't have his best game, but in the first game back, hopefully he was just getting his feet wet. But the yeah, I mean. It all comes down to, man, they've got to play man coverage. I mean, yeah. and Bruce Arians, I don't know if he had a talk with Todd Bowles uh, because, it, you know, comments after the game, he literally said, if you know, if we have another defensive performance like that, we ain't going to beat nobody. Yeah. And then, you know, from John Ledyard, he comes out here and says, uh, John Ledyard has the quote from Arians. And it's, Is it about it reads, the, uh, it's about the Bears game. Yeah, so yeah. Arians, Arians, it says, Arian says he thought the Bears did a great job of containing Drew Brees. And then it's the quote, except on the one drive when they played all that zone coverage. <laughs> okay, right, cool. So that's basically telling me. Realization uh, is the first step. Yeah, that's basically telling me that, hey, uh, you know, um, 
okay, that, that, that's putting pressure on your defensive coordinator, huh? Yeah. Because if, if the Bucks go out and just play all zone coverage, you're going to be like, um, so why'd you make that comment? <laughs> um, anyway, some breaking news on the defense. Oh, let's go. Oh, it's okay. Oh, so uh, it's not it's not good stuff. So you're saying we can end the show and then post it on social media. We don't have to break it on the show. It's it's not oh, it's not good stuff. But um, oh no, uh, Kevin Minter is going on the COVID nineteen list. So oh they won't, no, I I don't, I don't know if it's a close contact thing. It's Monday, so we don't know if it's a positive or not. Because if it's not a positive, it's Monday, and they play on Sunday, so we'll likely be back if it's not a positive. Um, but we'll see what happens. Um, doesn't seem like it's – I mean, it was 15 minutes ago, and I haven't heard anything else about anybody else. So yeah, well, don't You know how those things transpire. So, I mean, we'll, we'll definitely take a close eye on it. Um, yeah. And if anything else happens, we'll probably end up jumping over on YouTube live and talking about it. But as of right man, now, they just, just... They, they just made life too easy for Heineke. And you know what? When you're playing zone coverage, it all comes back to you. You know what you need? You need a four-man pass rush, and they don't have it. So yeah. um, since you don't have a four-man pass rush, guess what? You got to play man-to-man. Yeah. When it all, you know, against the Chiefs, sure, play zone. I think playing zone is the right move against the Chiefs because they can just beat you over the top. That's when you play zone, when a team can beat you over the top like that. When you, when you play, you know, these teams that don't really have a vertical threat per se, you got to play man. You, you just do. You got to play man. You got to bump them at the line and, and just hope that, you know, your physical corners that you've drafted um, can make plays, and especially this week. I mean, uh, we'll, obviously, I'm not going to get really into it. We'll, we'll talk about them, but um, uh, we'll talk about it on Thursday. But, I mean, if they – John later brought up a good point on the Peter Report podcast. I'm going to mention that one more time. Uh, he said it's actually kind of good that you know the 38 to three thing happened and it was like so bad. Um, yeah, because that the ball like barely hit the ground for Drew Brees. If it's going to force Todd Bowles to have to do something different, right? I yeah. mean, uh, you know, even the worst defensive coordinator in the world is going to come out with a different game plan. Like it's not going to be the same exact thing, right? Like that that would be insanity. So, you know, it, it was so bad that it's going to force Todd Bowles to basically come out. And maybe even Arian said after that game or whatever, like, hey, this, even after that, the Saints game week nine, I mean, if we see them again in the playoffs, like, you're playing man coverage. Like, yeah. and he probably said it to him when, like, it was a realization that, like, they could play the Saints. Like, no, like, you're playing, like, you can mix in zone here and there because I'm not saying you, you don't have to play all man coverage, right? Like if he's, you can't play man coverage every single play, um, but you can't play zone every single play. So you gotta mix it up. But man, most of the time it should be man to man and just let Carlton Davis on Michael Thomas and hopefully Sean Murphy bunting and Jamal Dean have nice days and hopefully you can get some four man pass rush. Maybe mix in a blitz there with Devin White and that's gonna be the way you contain him. So we'll yeah. see. Now, as we wrap up the show with our final segment, I, I do want to look ahead a little bit to that Saints game. We're not gonna preview too much, but. Let me just preface by saying this. Um, a couple weeks ago, we had our good buddy James on the show, and you know we might have made some comments that I think we're just going to have to own up to now. Pretty much everybody came to the consensus that if the Buccaneers' path to the Super Bowl involves the New Orleans Saints, well, you can go ahead and throw in the towel because uh, there isn't anything that this team has showed us over two games that proves to anybody that they're going to be able to beat huh. New Orleans. I mean, that's still true, though. I guess it still rings true, but we're going to have to talk about the ways that they can try and beat New Orleans this week or else we're just going to be, you know, the worst Bucks podcast on the block. And and I don't I mean, I don't want that reputation. 
we we might already have that reputation. I don't know. It depends on who you ask. But <laughs> let, let's talk about it, okay? The Buccaneers and the New Orleans Saints, the NFL divisional round this Sunday at 6.40 p.m. It is round three. It is Brady versus Breeze for possibly the final time ever. And the question I want to ask, what has changed with this Bucks team between this week and week nine? Well, let me start by saying one of the biggest things that I think everybody has noticed. Uh, Tom Brady's trust and chemistry in this offense is on an entirely different level than it was not only week one, which is, you know, goes without saying, but week nine. Yet Antonio Brown, who was, you know, thrown onto the team just because of injuries. I know he really didn't have an idea of what his role would be come week nine. And I think the offense was pretty clear of that. Um, and then obviously we talked about the defense and, and how they're pretty much lacking pressure. Now they lacked pressure against the saints before, but when they played the saints before they were averaging three sacks a game, believe it or not. And I, I think they have like three sacks over the last three games or four games or something like that. Uh, so what I want to ask you is, you know, I, I brought up a lot of points there, but what do you think is the biggest difference between this Bucks team from then and now? Uh, honestly, I don't think the defense is a huge difference. Um, the biggest difference to me has to be just, it's been remarkable to me how, and it really speaks to the testament of this coaching staff. Because after that bye week, we were all saying, here's the chance you can correct your mistakes, right? Less of the vertical ball, more of the stuff that Tom Brady likes to do, more of the stuff that makes sense, the throwing on first down, utilizing play action, and they've done it. That's the biggest difference, I think. They have completely changed their offensive scheme. It's still the same, you know, same plays and stuff. It's just little wrinkles here and there that they've added in and the times that they do things and how much they do a certain thing. It's it's so different from that Saints game. It's not really as much forcing the vertical ball down the field. It's more, you know, play action, let Brady do his thing. You know, let your playmakers make plays. Let Mike Evans get open. Mike Evans is going to get his. Yeah. You know, Antonio Brown, like you said, more involved in the offense now. That's a big thing. And um, I think the offensive line has really improved uh, since week nine. But they're going to be without a starter, which they were week nine. Ali Marpet, obviously losing Alex Kappa is less of a bigger deal than losing Ali Marpet, uh, which, I mean, Joe Haig just played awful in that Saints game. So hopefully Aaron Stenny on the right side can play a little bit better and uh, maybe Ryan Jensen or Tristan Wirfs can help him out a little bit. It's tough to give a guard help. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think that would be the biggest thing for me, just the offensive philosophy really has really changed since week nine and it, it might have something to do with Antonio Brown like getting his you know really getting it in and getting his feet wet more and stuff like that but um it's just it's really shown up and um yeah I, I think that that's the biggest thing but I mean the Bucks have just gotten dominated against the Saints in the trenches for the last two meetings and really the last like four or five meetings Saints yeah. have won five straight um so that's with one with Dirk Cutter. Uh, there's the second game versus the Saints, Dirk Cutter, and then 0 and 4 versus Bruce Arians. So, uh, with Bruce Arians, I should say. So um, they just dominated the trenches every time. So now the Bucks are just going to turn the tables, and it, it is it's going to be tough because, like I said, they with a four no four man pass rush and losing a starter on the offensive line. So it's already an uphill battle. But Trey Hendrickson didn't play this week, and Trey Hendrickson killed the Bucks two times that they played him this year. So we'll see if he plays. It'll be a big loss for the Saints if he doesn't. Big hit for their pass rush, but we'll have to wait for the injury report. But I think the biggest difference is just 
that they were this coaching staff was really able to mesh together what Brady wanted to do while also keeping that aggressive mentality, and that's the biggest difference, I think. Yeah, and I think I want to speak a little bit more just on Brady and what he's been able to do with his offense. You look at you know, the chemistry that they have up until this point, and then you factor in that there wasn't a preseason. There wasn't a training camp. You know, they kind of had their makeshift OTAs at uh, Berkeley Prep, but you know, for him to finally get this offense rolling at the time that they did, it, it kind of felt like the last possible minute. Um, but but they they made it work. And, and yeah, you can call it this uh, this coaching staff either being stubborn or just, I guess, flexing to what fixes Brady. But I, I wanted to speak about Brady and that chemistry, because for the longest time, you know, you have playmakers on this offense. Chris Godwin is a playmaker. Mike Evans is a playmaker. Antonio Brown is probably one of the best playmakers in the NFL. And that trust factor going up is such a big deal for this offense because now Brady has the uh, has the trust to see Mike Evans 35 yards downfield, one-on-one coverage. He's ready to take that chance and throw it to him. And I think that's something that we saw on full display against Washington for, you know, I know he was torching it up against the Lions, but it's a playoff game. So to see that trust mm-hmm. kind of transfer over into a bigger stage is, is really refreshing. Yeah, I mean, they're going to need all hands on deck, right? Yeah. Like they, they are, they're going to need Mike Evans. They're going to need Chris Godwin. They're going to need Chris Godwin to catch the football. Um, I mean, that's, that's a huge thing. Right. Um, and I mean, just like you said, it's, it's clear that Brady, like, I think the, the, the chemistry excuse now, you're not going to hear that from me. Like if they lose to the saints team and they look all out of sorts, that's on them. Like yeah. there is no chemistry excuse week one. Sure. Week nine. eh, because you had, you know, whatever eight games together before then, but you were still, trying to put in Antonio Brown and stuff like that. So that's why I go, eh. Uh, but this week, you should be firing almost all cylinders. Uh, hopefully, Ronald Jones can come back, um, be healthy. But th- this week is, yeah, there's no more excuses now about chemistry. Brady should have every you know receiver locked in, and they should be ready to go, I think. Absolutely. And ladies and gentlemen, with all of that being said, I think that's just about going to do it for this episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Thank you guys so much for checking us out on any of our podcast outlets or watching with video over on our YouTube channel. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the channel and click that little bell icon so you get notified every single time we upload a show like this one, go live, do a call-in show, upload a hype video, whatever the case may be, all sorts of great content and truly the best way to experience the show. Shout out to our good friend, Frat Pat Rat 99559 That's a lot of numbers, but... Uh, He left us a review over on Apple Podcasts, and I think that is the coolest thing. He says, uh, good coverage, helped me get engaged with a new team. Five-star rating. Found this podcast when I was looking for some live reaction videos to Brady signing with the Bucks. As a longtime Brady lover and a Patriots fan, this show helped me get up to speed on a team that I've suddenly started to follow on a weekly basis. Evan and Rhett seem to have a solid dynamic. I don't know about that one. Um, And they put together a good show. I don't know about that one either. Go Bucks. Go Bucks, buddy. But thank you guys so much. Um, Those reviews definitely help the show a lot more than you think they do. So if you have the time in your day, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. You don't have to, but if you do, it really would kick ass. So thank you to our good buddy, Frat Pat Rat, Frat Rat Pat, something like that. But, But thanks, buddy. We truly do appreciate you. Check out the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. Best place to go for updates on the show. And, of course, Bucks news as it happens. Speaking of Buccaneer news as it happens, I can see him on his phone, so he's probably posting about Kevin Minter being added to the COVID list. But you can follow my co-host Evan on Instagram at Bucks underscore daily, the number one Buccaneers fan page on Instagram. 
You can also find him on Twitter at EvanNFL. Last but not least, you can find myself, Instagram and Twitter. Both of those are Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I will follow you back. We're going to talk to you guys on Thursday. It'll be our game preview show for the Buccaneers divisional round matchup against those goddamn New Orleans Saints. Until then. (laughs) For the third time. Oh, man. Third time's the charm, hopefully. We'll go into detail a little bit more on Thursday, but until then, I am Rhett Matthews signing off from my co-host, Evan Wanish. We'll talk to you guys later. Go Bucks! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.